Welcome to Vincent Price's Life. Hey everybody, and welcome to our show. I am Elby. I'm Andrew. Well, I was going to say... It's fine. I'm Andrew. You're Elby. He's Andrew. I'm Elby. One more time at the same time. One, two, three. <laughs> That's the... What? One, two, three. Elby. Andrew. One, two, three. Elby. Andrew. <laughs> One, two, three. Andrew. Elby. That was stupid. <laughs> That's not even my real name, by the way. No, but... it's not, but it is for you guys. You're not privy to it. <laughs> so, Andrew, we're talking about a movie tonight, and yeah. what is that movie? Well, it's The Descent. From the studio that brought you, <laughs> and Hostel, comes the best horror thriller since Alien. <laughs> Oh, no. It's the dark. It plays tricks on people. <laughs> this is not good, guys. <laughs> the descent. The descent. I can't even do that. Be decent. <laughs> I just felt like watching it. I mean, we had it. We had both of them, so we watched both of them. I just felt like watching it. Did we see this since we saw it in the theater? Uh, yeah, we had to have at least once, I think. We saw this movie in the theater. You, I think, visited me. This was before we were married. It was in South Carolina. Okay, so before we were married, she came on a road trip to visit me, and we went and saw a spooky movie. You really wanted to see this movie, and I hadn't really found out much about it. Nope. So Elby drove from Nashville to Columbia. In South Carolina, and that's about eight-hour drive. Yep. All just to watch this movie. That I hadn't heard of. Not really. She came to visit me, and I wanted to watch the movie with her. And we went and saw it. Yeah, and I really liked it. Yeah, well, we don't have to talk about that full experience of watching it in the theater back then, but I liked it too. We eventually bought the DVD and rented part two. What was so great about this and by the way, it is. I'm not just saying like, What was so great about it, bro? <laughs> well, it was different because it's the story of five women. Yeah. They're friends. Is there... No, there is. There's one man in this movie. And at the beginning. At the beginning. The rest of it is just their adventure together. And it's interesting because they all have different personalities. It's hard not to sound sexist by saying this. But generally, there's just one type of movie that involves an all-female cast. And Steel Magnolias. Right. Or even something like Beauty Shop or Devil Wears Prada. Yeah. Those, if there's a guy, it's a it's a peripheral guy or a gay guy. Yeah, and they're all very stereotypical. How? What do you mean? Stereotypical what? All they generally talk about is relationships with men or children or Mom tips. You know, like mom stuff. Like Betty Crocker stuff. Yeah, mom tips. Yeah. Really mainly it's relationships. How are you gonna keep your man? How are you gonna get your man? back well this movie does have some of that in it it does a little bit but it's not that's the underlying tension of the characters yeah there are three characters that know about this underlying tension one character is cheating on her best friend with her best friend's husband Mm -hmm. and another best friend is wise to that and those are the three people that know but that's just the underlying character tension that's initial. Mm-hmm. The story starts, one, the husband and daughter is killed. Killed in a car wreck. 
And then a year later, they go spelunking in a cave system that isn't marked or kind of isn't marked. It's a little known cave, if anything. You know, you see this film and you think, oh, five women. How annoying is this going to be? Is that when you're like, this might sound sexist? Yeah. Like, are they going to be catty at each other? Are they just going to be bickering the whole time? Pleasantly, they're not. They do butt heads. I'll, I'll say this. As a man who does not like Steel Magnolias has a passing barely a passing interest in fried green tomatoes that one's a little dark so i can handle it (laughs) lady movies as you described earlier i'm not interested in when i saw the trailer for this aside from the horror aspect of it the adventure setting that it was in and the fact that they were all female didn't occur to me i didn't go oh all female (laughs) gross it's just gonna be a stitching bitch the entire time right no i honestly didn't bother me at all yeah this movie does a really good job of presenting these characters in a very complex way like like showing that they have a lot of depth i think you're right they're all valid characters like you could meet a person like this and not just roll your eyes Mm -hmm. and there is that relationship with men angle there is that love triangle or yeah whatever but it's it's weird because you want to say oh even though it's not a dominant part of the movie but it actually is a dominant. it's kind of a macguffin it's a thing that drives three of the characters yeah it's just really strange because i mean it it is a major plot point however it is not what carries the movie and that's what is impressive about this movie to me. Yeah, I really like the work together nature of all the girls. Yeah. When the monster poo hits the fan. There are monsters in it. Did we say that? No. (laughs) This movie came out in 2006. So, spoilers. Okay. They go spelunking. They get trapped down there. There's a cave-in. And... They encounter these beings, these humanoid creatures who... Yeah. Well, do you remember Ren and Stimpy? You yes. remember the Untamed World? Untamed World of Ren and Stimpy? There's an albino cave hoic. This movie... I don't remember that. I just remember the little alligator babies. Be terrible. Fearsome. Crocodile Stimpy. If we listen very carefully, we might just hear the beautiful haunting mating call of this majestic beast. Listen, you idiot. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Happy, yeah, okay. Happy, well, it's the same episode, and there's an albino cave hoic. Here we are, deep in the bowels of a stinking hot cave, which has not been penetrated by light in millions of years. What kind of creatures could possibly live in an environment such as this. I'm going to be sick! (coughs) Nevertheless, the blind albino cave hawk has developed a keen sense of radar, which it uses to track its prey. And it's a wren who's all pale like these monster things, and Uh then there's like a bug that flies in front of him, and it just eats it. But then they say, let's watch it in slow motion, and then you see it in slow motion, and his like slimy tongue comes out, and (laughs) with like a hand, starts smacking the bug around. Then it grabs it and eats it. That's what this movie reminded me of. Just, but yeah. Well, there are those weird organisms who live so far below the surface. Like They're all blind. They have no eyes. They're all blind. They have that milky white. Yeah. um, um, all over. But they're <laughs> gonna, they're yeah. amphibious creatures. They're like a salamander yeah, usually, of some sort. Usually. They're not they're fish humanoid. Or, yeah. So what this movie does for me, I want to know about humanoid things like, that are that are under the ground and things like that. I want to know about those. Are those even possible? Because here, they're primordial people. They're almost translucent pale skin. You can mm-hmm. see their veins beneath them and they're 
eyes, of course, are the Milky Way. Yeah. They hunt through, like what bats hunt through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they use uh, sonar. Yeah. To, they Ooh. make these awful screeching sounds. and It bounces off of things. <laughs> it's how Daredevil works, nerds. <laughs> Daredevil works as a lawyer. Oh, yeah, that too. So it's actually a scientific mind that I end up having at certain parts during this movie. Like, I just want to know about these things. Uh Uh-huh. I was doing research for this podcast because I care about all of you listeners. And strangely enough, I did not find any real accounts of humanoid creatures living in caves. No mutants or anything like that. There's plenty of haunted caves around the country, like Mammoth Cave in Kentucky is notable. Also, the Bell Witch Cave in Tennessee, where we used to live. Yeah, yeah. There's that tunnel. The Sensabaugh Tunnel that we went through. (laughs) That's not a cave. It's not a cave. It's a man-made cave, basically, but with a really short through line. It's... Yeah stupid it's not haunted at all and people swear that it is because they're dumb hicks but i did find some information about a family from kentucky known as the blue fugates of troublesome creek we interrupt this program to bring you a special report there's an infamous family living in the hills of appalachia carriers of a genetic trait that causes their skin to appear bluer than a clear lake on a sunny day The story of the Fugit family begins with French-born patriarch Martin Fugit, who settled near Hazard, Kentucky in the mid-1800s. Fugit was an orphan, so nothing is really known of the particular genetic makeup that he inherited from his parents. However, according to family lore, his skin was a dark shade of blue. And it also happened that his wife, Elizabeth Smith, carried the recessive gene that causes the anomaly. What is that anomaly? It's called methemoglobinemia, or METH, and is very rare. According to the National Institute of Health, METH is a blood disorder in which an abnormal amount of methemoglobin, a form of hemoglobin, is produced. Hemoglobin is a protein in red blood cells that carries and distributes oxygen to the body. With METH, the hemoglobin can carry oxygen, but is unable to release it effectively to body tissues. The disorder causes patients' skin, lips, and fingernails to be bluish in color, and their blood itself is a dark brown instead of the normal red. There are two ways the disorder can originate in a person. It can be inherited, or it can be acquired by exposure to certain anesthetic drugs or antibiotics, or consuming massive amounts of nitrites, either by ingesting those added to processed meats, or even naturally occurring nitrites in vegetables, such as beets. In order to be inherited, two genes, one from each parent, must be passed along. If the trait was indeed passed down from one generation to the next, the suggestion is that the line would have been inbred. Now, it's known that early American settlers often led a very isolated existence, with families intermarrying not only with themselves, but with their nearest neighbors. Such a small gene pool, or purebred if you want to get fancy, the gene for METH, although recessive, was virtually omnipresent in the Fugit clan. The bluest of the bunch was Luna State who was a fourth-generation Fugit, her grandmother also being her great-grand-aunt. After the early 1900s and the coal mining boom, more jobs and travel became available outside of their little Kentucky home, and the blue people began to disappear. 
With a broader gene pool, the Fugits and their kin had all but conquered the disorder. But in 1975, a Fugit descendant named Benjamin Stacy was born. And according to legend, in the maternity ward, he appeared as blue as Lake Louise. As Benji grew older, his blueness faded, and he just very well may be the last in the line of the blue Fugits of Troublesome Creek. So they didn't eat anybody? No. They didn't not. drag them beneath into the belly of, of this cave or any sort of thing? No, they just, they had a genetic mutation. Otherwise, they were normal people. Like, it wasn't even painful or, or anything. They could function normally. Giant they, smurfs. Pr- yeah, I guess so. But they wore shirts. <laughs> did they wear I can assume. white caps? They did not live in mushroom houses. That's interesting. And he was French, not German, okay? Hey. Peo is from Belgium. They speak French. He, he did the Smurfs. This is not a podcast about the Smurfs. So, that's wicked interesting. So, this movie though, actually there's two of them, so we watched both. And the first one has the whole vengeance of one upon the other. Well, okay. So, let's talk about this. The reason why they have gotten together on this weekend to go on this adventure is because Sarah, she's the one who had the accident and her family is dead. Is dead. They are coming together to have this adventure weekend a year after the accident. So it's supposed to be all about Sarah and her recovery and and just... Healing. Yeah, moving on. Yeah. But then it turns out that Juno... Best buddy Juno. The one who was having the affair. Her primary goal in this adventure is not so much for the healing of Sarah, but really she wants to make a name for herself and their group. I... I I actually am going to disagree with that because I believe her when she said, we're here discovering this new cave system and I wanted to name it after you. So what it is is twofold. She does totally is doing, yes, the self-serving thing of I brought us to this uncharted cave. They think we're at the other one, but I'm being irresponsible Mm -hmm. because of what I want. Yes, but I do think it's sincere and I don't think it's all a point of flattery to get what she wants, but it totally, from the perspective of the person who's being told this Mm -hmm. Sarah totally seems like a yeah right don't give me that crap but I think Juno really meant it but do you think she really meant it or was she just feeling guilty well all the way she felt guilty that's why Mm -hmm. she wants to make it up to her friend this whole thing was the adventure of a lifetime and of course name it after her and get everybody in Mm -hmm. on the whole thing because they're all best buds yeah and by the way you just said the word irresponsible and just a quick note on that absolutely irresponsible i am not an outdoors person I don't enjoy camping. I don't enjoy hiking. I like being inside with my air conditioning. And a running toilet. <laughs> yes. And showers. I like to take my showers every morning. But even I know that when you go on an expedition or, or hiking or anywhere, you sign in the little the little book at the park. Here's everyone in my group and all of our contact information. And here's where we're going and when we expect to be back. Yeah. You absolutely have to do that. And there have been cases of people going missing who didn't do that and they're just i'm sorry but that's just stupid there's that one guy his name was kenny veach he disappeared in 2014 because he thought that he was the world's most awesome hiker and he went on these very long solo hikes where did he disappear from it was nevada so what happened was he originally went on this hike and he came across this cave that seemed undiscovered oh wait you did show me so the video is of him saying look there's this undiscovered cave over that way it's over Mm -hmm. this ridge right yeah 
Yeah. And he kept on pointing the camera towards it. Mm-hmm. And then he said he was going to go back. Right, because he was one of those guys, like, he mentioned, you know, he plays with rattlesnakes, and there's never been a cave that he's found that he hasn't gone into. Like, he's just, like, one of these guys that's, you know, he doesn't take GPS with him, which is just insane. So the day he found this cave, he was going to go into it like he always does. But as he got closer and closer to the entrance and barely inside of it, he felt these weird vibrations. Are you literally talking about weird vibes? like Physical vibrations. Physical vibrations, not like an ooky spooky thing. Right. Like he said his body was vibrating. His brain was vibrating. Hmm. So it scared him and he left. And he decided, hey, I'm going to go back there. I'm going to try to find it again, but I'm going to bring my gun this time. So he did. He left on an expedition. He made a video pointing out where he was going to be going. That's the video that I saw. Yes. And then no one ever heard from him again. Hmm. And they found his cell phone near another cave entrance. And it was completely undisturbed. Like, he had just dropped his phone, but he wasn't in any kind of distress. Like there's no shuffled, scuffled footprints right, and right. messed up dirt. And... Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, some people, I think you mentioned a long time ago when you were telling me about this, a long time ago being like a month or so. <laughs> I think you mentioned something like people are theorizing that this was just a, an easy way to disappear and change your identity right. sort of thing. Like he was in a lot of debt or something. And Yeah. Well, I hope he's okay. Yeah, me too. I don't want to talk about this dude and go, what a bonehead. What a loser. And be all like Reddit dude calling them names and, <laughs> and act like well that was me I would have blah 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 armchair experts but I think what he did was highly irresponsible yes and it was ego driven which is why I'm talking about Juno doing that yeah exactly okay so they they actually did register where they were intending to go yes um, Juno took them off map yeah because she thought that where they were going was basically a tourist trap and it was too easy for them. Yeah, so she went to this impossible place. The rock fall happens, and then I'm going to call them troglodyte people. Those troglodyte people show up and start eating everybody to pieces. That's basically it. There's a fight to the finish. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty great. The American release of this film has an abrupt ending. Yeah, it has one of those awful scare endings. And it's a ghost ending. Yeah. Sort of, or guilt ending. She gets out, Sarah survives, and she gets to the car finally, and then as she's driving right next to her, a quick cut of a ghost version of... Of Juno. Juno, Juno. all bloodied and junk, is right next to her, and she turns and looks at her, and it's all abrupt ending. Yeah, which is so lame. It is. That's the American one. It is also in the international unrated, uncut release, which is the one that we actually have. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't stop there. It continues on where she's actually still in the cave. It's actually still weird. Yeah, it's still weird. And you know what? I don't want to discuss too much about it because maybe people saw this in the theater and they know the ending we're talking about and maybe they don't know this alternate ending. All right. Well, it's there, but it furthers on and it actually has a better kind of an ending. Uh, A bit more at the end. But Lion's thinks, actually a lot of studios think this, Weinsteins think this, that an American audience is just those kind of juggalos. They just can't handle anything that ain't dumb. (laughs) So this movie is smart. It has characters that are kind of, they do foolish things. But those Mm -hmm. people are doing foolish things. You don't have to be an idiot to do foolish things. You can be a brain surgeon and run for president but still be kind of dopey. Who are you talking about? you're You're a brain surgeon. That's super smart. But you're also 
kind of dopey. <laughs> okay? So smarts versus dopiness or, or bad decisions and whatever like this. You don't have to be an idiot to make a bad decision. And that's what I like about these ladies. They each have their own personality traits. And... You want to break them down? You have the tough, spunky one who's brand new to the group. She's a cool chick with the short hair. Yeah, she's very eager. She's like, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, and you She's can, you, a totally you adventure think- chick. She's like Junior Juno. And Juno actually knows protocol really well. Yeah. But she's probably just like that little girl when... Because she's the youngest of the bunch. And you think you think that something terrible is going to happen to her because she seems a little bit irresponsible. But it doesn't for a while. She's actually one of the troopers. <laughs> of the group, there's one that's really susceptible to getting messed up that she hangs on for as long as possible. That's great. There's mm-hmm. the little blonde girl is the one that's got least experience and she's awesome. That's Becca. She's yeah. the Swedish girl. No, Swedish girl's buddy. Oh, Becca. Then that's the med student. Okay, that's the med student. Becca's the Swedish girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, she's the one that runs the line across the, the I don't know. I don't know caves, okay? <laughs> you, she's never been spelunking. I have not. Neither have I. Uh, I'm so freaked out by the idea of we're, doing We're that. a couple of larger people. I'm six foot four, about 210 maybe. And I may not be girthy giant, but I'm pretty big and I've had to climb under a house before or get up into an attic before. And it's, it's just not an enjoyable experience to do that. So I don't understand these ladies. Why would they want to? I get it. It's adventure, but. Well, they, they all come together and they work as a team really well. And they're all strong women. And you know, we, you and I have yes. come to loathe the. The moniker. The, yeah. The, the word, phrase. The catchphrase. Yeah. It's a catchphrase. Isn't it? Strong women. Strong female lead. Or whatever. Yeah. What did Max Landis say about strong women? He said, It's almost like if you write a character who is the hero of your movie who is female, it's way better than writing a strong female character. Here, here. Cheers. Yay, Max. You can follow him on Twitter. His handle is up to my knees. Follow him if you dare. Yeah, because, man. Hey, by the way, speaking of Twitter, we have a Twitter for this podcast. Oh, yeah. What is it? It's at Vincent Price, L-O-L. Yeah. Just just in case you want to check that out. Laugh out loud, you know? Lol. Mm-hmm. Lol. Mm-hmm. Well, this movie is nothing to lol about. There's hardly any humor to it. And usually movies like this feel all the way bad. And this one didn't. This one was just like exhilarating. Like you get through and once punches through out of the ground, you're like, yeah. Like a breath of fresh air sort of thing. It's like what scary movies are supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So Neil Marshall, he did this movie. He also did Dog Soldiers, which is primarily a dude bro movie that has one lady in it. I don't even remember. And again, it's as Max Landis said, same principle. So I think Neil Marshall actually knows how to handle, maybe he's got a bunch of sisters or something, or like a totally maybe, cool mom. Maybe, maybe. Maybe he's just bounces off of many ladies as he's been writing it or in maybe. production. But yeah, the portrayal of women, very realistic. It's not hyperbolized. It's not. Even Juno, as, as the character who does the wrong things, She's not unlikable. That's correct. You are mad at her for being such a butt about certain things, but then you're like, she's not the worst. Yeah, like, you you think, like, oh, she's got such a big ego. But don't we know, personally, people who have huge egos? But they still will care about you and help you if you need it. Yeah. And this one, she knows what's up. And Mm -hmm. she tries to, she doesn't own up to it, which is... The character flaw, which mm-hmm. is a part of the motivation of the story, too. 
One, one thing what? real quick. I, I was trying to think if there was anything that actually bothered me about this movie. And we were talking about Juno and what did bother me was she accidentally kills her friend. Mm-hmm. Beth. Yeah. Except she's not dead yet. <laughs> she doesn't realize that. You know, I mean, she's bleeding out profusely of her neck and, and Juno was like, oh, she's dying and she's dead. So I have to go because, because I'm in, I'm in danger. Yeah. Yeah. Later on, Sarah comes across Beth, who isn't dead yet, and she reveals to her that she knows that Juno did have an affair with her husband. Yeah, with Sarah's husband. Yes. Beth is like, don't trust Juno. She left me for dead. Which she didn't leave her for dead. She thought she was dead. Right. So you're thinking that the the writing of that part is just... No, I mean, it's it's, it's, re- it's, it's realistic. It's kind of honestly. the same problem as you have in sitcoms of misunderstanding. Yeah. Uh, Except, I think, getting stuck in the neck and then left. And she's still not dead, so she's probably sitting there profusely pleading, going, Why did she leave me? I'm just right here. Why did she leave me? Why did she leave me? Yeah. It's totally understandable that it was an accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I... I would probably just get mad and then she left me for a day yeah and then even later sarah confronts juno about oh she's like oh where's beth and she's like beth's dead. uh so yeah beth's juno dead. has a moment to say i hurt her and i think she's dead and she doesn't own up to it right so that's still what i was saying you don't really hate her though true you're just like oh yeah frustrated you dummy mm-hmm. so the second movie she gets out. She comes across a guy in a pickup truck. The guy in the pickup truck saves her and takes her to the people who are already searching for them at the other cave entrance that they registered at. So they take her back. So after a brief hospital stay, she goes with them to look in this, not the place where she came out of, but it's really close by to that place where she comes out of. And it's in a, a mill, kind of like a, it was a mine entrance. Mm-hmm. So they go down into the mine deeper and deeper and then have to go even one more lower level And that's where all the monsters are. And it's not a full-on repeat of the first movie. There's some different dynamics. There are Mm -hmm. men involved here. Mm -hmm. There are three men and two other women. Sarah. And I don't want to reveal too much because even though this movie was pretty cheap, it was a quick sequel even. It's a little bit lesser known. It's lesser known. And it has a decent, whoa, I didn't expect that. Yeah. So I'm not going to talk about the I didn't expect that part. Being that this movie was made on the cheap in comparison to the first one, which was also made inexpensively, comparatively. They did a really solid job for the most part. There are some moments which I wish... They had a bit better optical special effects going on, but overall, I think it's a solid sequel. It's not like uh, Empire Strikes Back, which is obviously better than Star Wars Episode Four, whatever you want to call it, but it's a really solid sequel. I think a bit gorier, too. There are a couple of gross-out moments, to me, personally, anyway. Mutants, um defecating oh gosh yeah they're (laughs) like okay so the first movie there's a blood pit that our heroes fall into at certain points which is actually one of the coolest it's one of the big money moments it's just such a cool scene but the second one reprises that but instead of this is just a warning okay instead of being a blood pit which is also itself disgusting they're in something that's kind of dark dingy charcoal gray water with with floaty things in it (laughs) At one point, after usurping the monster villain thing, they realize what they're in, and it's 
It's not sanitary. No, not at all. It's poop. Poop pit. <laughs> so The Descent is a better movie than I imagined it to be. Initially, when you heard Initially. about it. Does the movie hold up after seeing it so many years from... It does. I agree. I think it does too. And I think the sequel... Nice. Nice little... You. Di- I know you didn't want to see the sequel. You were like, I remember not liking it. Yeah. I do remember not liking it. <sighs> the ending. Yeah, okay. So the ending of the sequel is comparable to the ending of the first one. It's American. We'll just say that. It's got the same actors and some more, but uh, the ending is the jump ending that's stupid jump ending. Mm -hmm. Which I don't even, I don't understand the point of those. What's it supposed to do? It's supposed to be like impactful to the audience or something? It's actually supposed to be an open for another sequel. Well, that's stupid. That's the whole point of those. Or like, it's actually a nihilistic way of ending a movie, of going, Haha, you thought you were safe, audience, but you're not. But it's so cliche. It's become a trope. You know, I like those types of endings when I'm reading, like, short fiction. Okay. But to see it in a movie over and over and over. Yeah, it's done, over, done it's, to it's death. It's so laughable, really. It's not scary. Not anymore. No. It's a groaner. Yeah. Oh, Like, really? But you should watch part two anyway. Yeah, that said. I want to get a high-def version of The Descent. Yeah. The first part. We watched it on DVD. The Blu-ray is... is, I don't know if the Blu-ray is that available. But we watched it on DVD and it was... uh, Brainy. Had halos over It's weird how you get really used to different mediums. How DVDs used to be so amazing. I need to get the criterion of, of Brazil because it's got the best pictures. It's got the... It's got the... Um... I need to get the Blu-ray of Brazil because it's got the pictures. pictures. And the next format after HD digital streaming is probably... I think the only thing that they can do is broadcast into our brains. Obviously. That's the next one. It's like you're really there. And on that note, I don't really want to be there in a cave. So I'll just <laughs> you, wanna... don't, you don't want to be in a poop pit? No, not in a poop pit, not in a blood pit. And being gnawed on by monsters or like, It feels like you're really there. Uh, stinks too. <laughs> oh, it's so loud. <laughs> uh, so HD will do for me. Yeah, that's fine. Thanks uh, for talking about this movie with me, Andrew. I'm glad that you suggested it. I'm glad that we watched it again. You're welcome. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. This podcast is brought to you by Ouch My Ego. Visit OuchMyEgo.com. What a bonehead.